This podcast was recorded from our weekly live stream. To watch this video or see other episodes of The Spiritual Journalist, head to thespiritualjournalist.com or find me on YouTube. You can find a link in the show notes. Hello, and welcome to this episode of The Spiritual Journalist. I'm so grateful you found us here, and I'm so grateful to introduce you to today's guest. Her name is Tuesday, and she is just a powerful being in general, really a guidepost of what it means to be authentic and show up in your own personal power. So today, we're talking about a subject that might feel a little uncomfortable for some people, and I invite you to come with that discomfort show up with an open mind and bring questions too. We're talking about pleasure and power. We're talking about sexuality and manifestation and the intersection of all of it. So get ready to go deep with us. Let's get started. I've always been a deeply curious person, talking with anyone who would listen and soaking in as much information as possible. So it's no surprise my love for storytelling led me to a career in journalism. But after nearly a decade working in newsrooms across the West Coast, I realized I wanted to start asking questions you probably wouldn't see on your local news. So I left my job as a morning TV reporter and started The Spiritual Journalist. This isn't just a YouTube channel, podcast, website, or social media page. This is a live conversation where you get to ask questions too, because I'm not the expert. I'm not here to tell you what to believe. My goal is to connect you with people who have profound experiences and inspirational stories to share. And we'll definitely mix a little astrology in too. So if you're like me, you have this insatiable curiosity and you love deep conversations too, well, this is the place for you. Together each week, we'll explore everything from crystals and tarot to mental health and the environment. There are no wrong questions here. My ultimate goal is for you to come away from each episode with a new perspective and an expanded consciousness. This is a channel for the collective. This is a community for the curious. This is The Spiritual Journalist. Hi. Hi, y'all. Welcome. Happy to be here. I'm so excited to have you. Um, obviously, we're friends outside of this virtual meeting, but you're someone I feel really comfortable having these conversations with, and I'm just excited for you to help us hold space for something that a lot of people feel uncomfortable talking about. Absolutely. Diving into pleasure and what that feels like and what that leads to. It's definitely a taboo in some uh, spaces, but definitely widely open and welcome here. I love also, I was, you know, as the intro was playing, it's like, I wanted to ask questions you wouldn't be able to talk about on your local news. I'm like, this is definitely something <laughs> we would not talk about on traditional media or TV. And that's why we're having these conversations here. Absolutely. So I like to start these <laughs> with just a quick look at your birth chart. Instead of talking about your resume and your offerings and all these things, I think we just want to see your energy first and foremost. So I'm actually so excited to see your chart. I kind of knew some of your placements, but now it just all makes sense, you know? <laughs> I'm excited. Um, cool. So I know you know your big three. Uh, you are a cancer son, which is like so you. I mean, you're such a cancer, like very nurturing. You literally have an offering, a biweekly offering called Safe Circle, where people can come and just be in a safe 
environment, which is so cancer. Uh, and you also have your Jupiter in cancer. Your Mercury is conjunct your sun, um, which makes you very good at expressing your feelings and just expressing yourself in general. Um, and you have a ton of action going on in your sixth house too, which is all about routines, habits, wellness, very much how you show up in the world. Your Jupiter is in your sixth house too, very close to all this, like your abundance is coming from sharing your practices, things like that. And then your rising sign is an Aquarius, which I think, again, knowing you is so spot on because you're like, I need my space. I'm going to like observe the situation before I jump in. Like I kind of come across as like a little weirder than everybody else, but you also embrace that. You're like, I'm going to march to the beat of my own drum and F off anybody who has anything to say about it. Absolutely. What I love the most though is your Scorpio moon because I too have a <laughs> moon, um, which is why it's perfect that we're having this conversation together. You know, you really crave that deep connection with other people. Something that I was like, I need to find out this placement for her. And it's something I normally don't get into in these is Lilith. I was like, we need to know where her Lilith is, mm -hmm. like what's going on with Lilith. And for those of you who aren't familiar with astrology, Lilith is like that kind of inner bitch, but the part of us that like rises up when we feel oppressed. Um, and it's kind of like our internal power, like our sovereignty, especially as feminine beings. Because if you look into the mythology and the biblical story of Lilith, she was Adam's first wife. She was created as an equal and did not want to be dominated by Adam. So she left. Uh, uh, Eve was created. Anyway. I remember. <laughs> yes. Your Lilith is conjunct your midheaven. Um, and so your midheaven is up here in Scorpio, which is... Uh, your highest point of visibility, maybe your legacy in your career and your long-term goals. And with it being in Scorpio, it's all about power, right? It's all about sexuality mm. and depth. But your Lilith is conjunct your midheaven, meaning that like you embodying that energy of Lilith, especially Lilith in Scorpio, it's like very sexual, like unleashing that sexual energy. That is going to create your um, abundance and your like... <laughs> Yeah, like it's wow, perfect. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, like I don't especially yeah. as we get into this, I think everybody will be able to see like how you expressing your own like sexuality and your own power is so magnetic, but your birth chart just mirrors that completely. Um and the last thing I want to point out here, because honestly, you and I could go for like two hours just looking at your birth chart, but you have a T square with Mars squaring off to all this Cancer energy and then all of this Capricorn energy in your 12th house. You have Saturn and Capricorn in the 12th house, which probably looked like some sort of spiritual awakening maybe in your business or in your career. Um, I think that probably tracks. But Mars in Aries is very impulsive and reactive. And... <laughs> Oops. That is like directly challenging your practices and like your nurturing ability um, and also like your spiritual structures and lessons that you're learning. So like your anger or aggression is like this midpoint or like pivotal point that activates both of these things, which I think mm -hmm. is really interesting. It's challenging. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's also in your second house, which gives you a lot of drive and motivation to like make money and bring in physical things into your surroundings. So there's a lot of power here, but it's just knowing you too, like, I'm like, this is so you, you know, like, <laughs> yeah.
Yeah. <laughs> Do you have anything else you want to point out about your chart or any other questions you have? I love that you pulled in all all my emotion. Like I am just a ball of emotion and anything that I'm doing is emotionally based. And so having balance in that is a big um, challenge for me as a mature um, professional. But I love that you pulled in that the Lilith is in Scorpio and how my sensual energy and my power is within that and everything that I do. Because I I had no idea of that placement and it actually just lines up so beautifully to actually see, oh, that's that's working. That's actually working for me. That's how I'm functioning. So that's really yeah. fascinating to see. And I will say all of that Scorpio energy is flowing with all of your cancer energy. So this like internal power you have that um, you really like to express and share with people with it happening in your ninth house is actually like feeding your essence and your your cancer sun and like your nurturing ability. It's like you have this deep well of power that you can tap into that then like helps you nurture other people, um, which again, knowing you is just so freaking on point. It makes sense. Uh, I think it took a long time to recognize. You said, oh, I, there's a little bit of weirdness in me. Well, yeah, absolutely. Because I don't know how to have normal or quote unquote normal conversations. I like to dive into the nitty gritty right off the bat. And that's either off-putting or really nurturing to others. So that's that's me. Absolutely. Get it. And actually, as you say that, it's funny because you also have a square between your rising and your moon. So like you want this deep connection with other people, but that conflicts this um, kind of first impression you give off or this like um, almost like vibe you give off of like, give me my space. Like I just need to be doing my own thing. But then deep down you're like, no, I want the most intense connection I, we could possibly I want to be, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and that just comes with maturity, confidence, figuring out how to read your own energy and having discernment on how how to navigate that energy in other spaces. Um, and as soon as you tap into that or create your soul tribe or your soul family, like it's easy. You're just, you'll light up beautifully. Especially with your Aquarius rising. It's like finding your people is when you can tap into, you know, those deeper conversations. But I feel like you're someone, if someone is like not vibing with you, you're like, yeah, no, absolutely not. We're not having anything to do with that. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately yeah i don't hold grudges i just like forget about them like yeah. i don't know how to i don't know how to do the other like you know it's yeah it's hilarious but it's all a beautiful well, makeup for you i definitely can say finding my soul family or just like connectivity in my community and stepping into my purpose with my gifts and things like that has allowed me to blossom and step into everything that we're going to talk about today because before that, it didn't exist. Like I, at least five years ago, I had no connection to what we're going to talk about today. And so to see that transformation personally and how that has transpired into actually tangible things in my life and my business and my friendships is mind-blowing. I think that's a perfect place to start our conversation because the first question I wanted to ask you is, you know, I've only known you in your adult life as a mother, as a professional woman, but what was your relationship to your own body and your own sexuality like earlier in life, maybe in your early 20s or even late teens? Lanta, what a great question. So um, personally, uh, I can't even recall having passionate or intimate sex um in my early adulthood like i remember having lots of sex but i don't remember being passionate and understanding um the energetic 
um, consequences for being involved with people. Or until I had my second baby, I started going into like, wow, like what does this mean? Um, and so I guess to revert back to the question, like I didn't really have an awareness literally at all. I was just a young girl. I lived in LA. I was pretty. I had a good time, um, but I didn't have any real relationships. And I think that was a big crutch for me to recognize that I am, I have more to offer than just my sexual energy as a, as a female. Um, but we'll get a little bit more into that, I guess, as we, as we dive into our purpose and our sexual energy. But I lost the question. <laughs> I forgot what I was well, saying. I'm curious because like obviously you were sexually active, right? Like you have two yeah. beautiful babies, you know, before you even dived into these practices. So how did you like interact with sex or view sex before you really recognized like the energy, like you said, the energetic consequences or um, just the energy that was being exchanged in those interactions? Like how did you, you kind of said like you almost used it as like currency in a way or like to yeah did, were you absolutely to get something out of it i would say it was um not a safe exchange for me in my young adulthood and it's something that i didn't put a lot of honor into or recognize what i was doing um so yeah absolutely it's almost shameful like a lot of my history if i go back into the archives of like these memories and these little things that you think about and you're like what the hell was i thinking like why could what like what the heck um but then i've used that history to allow myself to understand why go into generational trauma think about my what my mom had lived and why in the things that she did and it was just so reflective in my personal life that i was like holy snap, like I was just reliving these chapters um, that weren't really mine. So finding what that looked like, like safety and the pleasure with my experiences came after my first baby. So my first baby was um, unconsensual. So having to rework through that shame and recognize what safety in my own body looked like after that experience is really what, uh, I guess, pushed me forward to feel like and explore what it looked like for healing in that category, if that makes sense. I think a lot of what you're talking about has to do with like consciousness, honestly, like how many people, not just women, operate from kind of this unconscious place of like, okay, you're this age, you're kind of supposed to like hit puberty and start having sex and like, I don't know, it just kind of almost going through the motions, it feels like, of the things you're supposed to be doing versus it sounds like you kind of had this awakening almost after your first baby of like, oh, life is so much more than just like this shallow exchange, you know? Absolutely. And we're not taught, we are not taught at all about our worthiness as young females at all. No one talks about sexual health. No one talks about uh, what sex is, personal um, pleasure, any of that. And you had to find that all out on by yourself, on your own, figuring out birth control, like, or understanding like what a UTI is, or um, getting into like yeast infections and all this. Nobody taught you any of this. It was just like this big blank, like, I don't know what these experiences are, or learning to pee after sex. No one teaches you that until you figure it out way later. And it's like, why are we so naive? Like, I was extremely naive in my, my doings and my understandings, unfortunately. Um, I guess I don't regret it, 
because I'm able to educate myself and those around me on it now. But um, it, it's definitely like a really dark space to think about going backwards. So that wasn't a very hard question to answer. I was like, I wasn't prepared to answer that. I don't know. <laughs> well, it's like, as women, I think a lot of times we don't learn about these things until we're like dealing with them. It's very much trial and error. You know, you don't have to think about a UTI until you get one or yeah, right. it's, it's, such an odd thing to talk about, like in hindsight, because once you're at this point where you're like kind of aware and in your power, you're like, I can't believe I ever operated from this place of not Absolutely. being in my power. Yeah. Right. There's also, uh, yeah, there's also a conversation around church. I didn't mean to cut you off there. A lot of that uh, is our conditioning. And so I went to church a ton as a kid um, and no one ever you know, created that safety and that expression. So as soon as you get out on your own in any capacity, you feel so much freedom that you're like, I'm just going to go balls to the walls. I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want without recognizing the consequences. So um, yeah, definitely. I'm also an advocate for, so I have herpes and I talk about this a lot online. I give people the opportunity to feel safe and understanding how extremely normal it is um, and how to navigate conversations around this topic. And that, again, was a result of me being careless in my young 20s, um, but definitely not something that's prohibiting me from stepping into my sexual experiences and pleasure now as a mature, young adult mom. Yeah. Well, and I, I love that you do that. I think it's so empowering because I think the the story around sexually transmitted diseases, viruses, things like that is very um judgmental and like like there's something wrong with you or like you were like even you saying you were careless like i just keep wanting to go back to like what was the story you were told about sex growing up because i feel that you and i had almost like opposite experiences which is really cool that we're having this conversation together so i'm you said you went to church a lot like what was your sex education like there was none, absolutely none at all. And I lived in a household with several young girls. Like I had a lot of sisters and I don't know, I, I don't know why it wasn't communicated. And I'm not angry that it wasn't. I just am con concerned that, or not concerned, but I've just questioned the ability. Like, why weren't we communicating with this? I remember having young boyfriends. I remember being so boy crazy as a young girl. And it's like, no one ever stopped and had these conversations with me. I don't, I don't know. And it's, it's frightening. I do love that you said that you stepped back and you said, I was careless. I don't think, I think the people that are, um, I don't think I was careless necessarily, but I think, what am I saying? Less careless than the person I was involved with because they have mm. just as much responsibility as myself. So thank you for bringing that to a point. Absolutely. So it's funny that you say like, I had no, nobody talked to me about sex because, I, okay, I'm a Virgo. <laughs> like, I'm just going to put that out there. I'm like a very Virgo person. Virgo is the sign of the virgin. And that could not be like more true for me. Like, I didn't even lose my virginity until I was 21. So I like was very um, kind of protective of my body and very insecure about my body and never felt like it was reciprocal if I was interested in someone. And it's very odd that I was like that because my parents were like the most sexual people you can imagine, like telling me all the different names for giving head at the dinner table. So I would know if someone was asking me to do that. And like, 
Wow. It, it came from a very like loving place, but also my parents were very young. I was the only child around my age interacting with them and their friends. So there was a lot of like sexual dialogue always happening. Now at this point in my life, I can see um, even looking in on their lives, how we have very different views of sex now, um, because it's just very much like their generation. It's kind of part of the culture of this kind of like... I don't want to say sleazy, but like cheapening of sex. You know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, and, uh, I like that. Yeah. And and so for me, sex was just dirty. It was just like something everybody joked about. And like, it just seemed like not a beautiful thing from my experience, like something people were expecting of me, literally. Like, mm. and I became known uh in my high school for like being a virgin and i would have guys be like oh can i take your virginity and so i became something i was protective of because i was like "Ugh, that's so dirty like people want something from me you know so i was very aware i was really boy crazy like before i hit puberty and like in elementary school would like kiss boys behind the wall ball wall and stuff like that (laughs) but it's like once things got to another level where people were starting in high school to like hook up and have sex, I was like, oh no, like I have to protect this part of me. And then it got to a point as I got older where I was like, well, if I haven't done it now, I'm gonna wait till it's like the real deal, you know, before I, if I hold, held on to it this long, I might yeah. as well just wait till it's a safe situation. And I'm so grateful that I did that. But at the same time, it's just very odd. It's almost this like, reverse um what's it called like reverse psychology of like my parents were like drink have sex do all the things and i was like "Eh, i'm good like i don't want to do those things and then a lot of times we see children who were raised in like purity culture going to church have the exact opposite experience yeah so i don't know i just wanted to like put that out there because i think for me, like sex was so taboo and uncomfortable for so long. And I just want to hold space for anyone else who comes from that upbringing um, or who comes from an upbringing as well, where it was like sex was everywhere all the time. Like literally my mom once asked me in high school, like, hey, are you a lesbian? Because you haven't had sex yet. And I was like, no, I don't think so. not interested yet. <laughs> yeah, like I just haven't found anyone to do that with, you know, so I don't know. I'm curious your thoughts about that. And especially now as a mom, I know your girls are like way too young to even be thinking about these things. But just like knowing what you know now, how you plan to kind of navigate sexuality around them, you know? Right. So I think from a um, child rearing perspective, I really want to stay with the key points of being authentic and also educating my children, my young girls on boundaries, respecting other people's space, communication, knowing your self-worth, because it's it's less about sex. It's it's the adjectives of the way it leaves you feeling or how you navigate moving forward because we're searching for something. At least from my sexual experiences from a young age, I was consistently searching for something that I wasn't already innately um, activated um, or um, using it, like you said, as currency. Like, oh, I have this power to receive what I want by giving, but it didn't necessarily always give me emotionally what I needed, et cetera. Um, So that would be my journey on how to educate 
Kate from that perspective. Um, I am very sensual. Like I am very open. Um, but it's, you have to have respect in your family and your household, obviously, but allowing my children to see that I can be happy and that, um, PDA is okay and safe to express. Like it doesn't need to be such a, a secret thing. Um, I, I think that's extremely important and making sure that like, um, you're always asking, like, I, I remember having a partner, um, that asked me, like, can I do this or can I do that? And I was like, no one's ever asked me that before. And it made me feel so safe. And so I'm like, what the hell? Like, like what, why has no one ever asked me this before? Because it's like this energetic, um, okayness. Like you're making this agreement, but no one's ever stopping and asking you. And I was like, wow. So teaching my kids boundaries and communicating in that way, I think would be the way to go. I think this, you know, also bears noting like the difference between the masculine view of sex and the feminine view of sex. Yeah. I think it's very different. And as you're saying this, I'm like, wow, your daughters are so lucky to have like this powerful woman who's really um, comfortable in her own sovereignty and in her own body and in her own sensuality to express these things. Because now looking back on my own childhood, so much of my view of sex was masculine, right? And that's why I mm -hmm. thought it's like this thing that I'm giving away or like that people want to take from me because it was so like, even seeing how, you know, my dad still and his friends talk about women and just how they kind of see the world. I'm like, it's it just dirty. It kind of feels dirty still, even like knowing what I know. Um, and so I think like that's another frame to look at it through. Like, how are we teaching girls about sex? Who is it coming from? And what is the energy like? And I think that this is a great point to move into self-pleasure because I really think that's kind of, for me at least, been the core of my own empowerment, not just in the bedroom, but in life in general. So what did your relationship with self-pleasure look like growing up or when did you develop a self-pleasure practice? Right. So I would say I didn't uh, develop a self-pleasure practice until uh, my late 20s. I'm 31. So just a few years ago, I recognized that creating this uh, like sovereign, covern experience with myself was going to be impactful. I remember understand. I remember finding a porn video and like my parents like little hutch in their room one time and I like put it in the TV and I was like, what is happening? It's like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like you just have these experiences that like, I don't know. I remember find recognizing different sensations in my body at a young age, maybe nine-ish, you know, in that space. Like, okay, what does this mean? You had no idea what that feeling was. But then once you felt it, you're like, how do I recreate that feeling? You know? So I don't really have a lot of history in creating a routine, but now I definitely advocate for routine as in anything in your life you need to have um, just sacred space with yourself, either if you're sitting or actually doing action in an intimate way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I know we've been talking a lot about like childhood and, and the things we're taught, but that's kind of at the core of this whole conversation. Yeah. And I know for myself, it's like, I wish someone would have told me as a young girl, like there is this part of your body that's purely for pleasure. It's literally for nothing else, but for you to feel good. Obviously we're talking about the clitoris. Um, <laughs> for those of you who don't know what I'm referring to. Um, but you know what I mean? Because I remember being like 
really young and like laying in bed at night and like touching that part of myself and then feeling really dirty about it. Like I shouldn't be touching myself there. And like, why does this feel good? I literally remember thinking like, what is wrong with me that I think this feels good? Right? Because it's so uh, abstract. Like you literally have no idea at all how to navigate that. You're not the only one that feels that at all. We're also taught like don't have sex because you don't want to have children. Like that was it. That was the only reason. There was no space to understand what pleasure at all even meant. Absolutely. Right. Or that like, like male, female intercourse is the only form of sex even. Like I wish that conversation would have come about too. Cause I think I would have felt so much more comfortable, like slowly inching my way towards what seemed like this big thing that I was going to be changed by forever, uh, <laughs> right? right? Uh, rather than just like, oh, yeah, like just it's okay to kind of like mess around. Like here's what you need to know if you do go there, like how to protect yourself, what the consequences could be, X, Y, Z. Et cetera, um, yeah. Yeah. So well, that, that leads a little bit into tantra, tantric work. Like, and that's just like having pleasure in everything that you're doing and how you're expressing. And it's, it's about the kiss. It's about the eye gazing. It's about being in a space, just sitting next to somebody and having gratitude and love and exchange in that way before you ever get to any touching whatsoever. Like pleasure doesn't have to be, um, heterosexual. It doesn't have to be Anything that you think it is, it's probably not. It's so much broader and wider and grander than that. It literally doesn't even have to do with like your genitalia. Like you can thank you for saying that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You can literally have pleasure through like eating a burrito. Like honestly, that is one of the most pleasurable (laughs) practices I have in my life. Seriously. Uh, (laughs) Oh add that avocado girl. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Hilarious. Um so I wanna know. You know, once you kind of came into your own, you started developing your own relationship to pleasure, maybe a self-pleasure practice. How did that affect you in other ways? So I would, I had, I want to go back to that partner that had asked permission, you know, my consent. That partnership allowed, open, literally opened up the doors and the reins to my personal pleasure that I didn't even know existed. And there's a lot of healing in sexual experiences. And I think that's also something that people don't even know that door exists. Um, And it's about safety. It's about being heard. That's where a lot of kinks come in. It's about communication and these boundaries that are safely being explored. Um, And so my doors were opened throughout having a partner that allowed, that saw me in such a beautiful light that I went, Oh, really? Oh, oh, you feel that? Oh. And so then I would look in the mirror and I'd be like, oh, cool. Like I was able to, it's like, I didn't even know these attributes about myself had so much beauty. And so it took somebody else reminding me or showing me that avenue of exploring. And that's where I got into affirmations, incantations, language work, um, um, Oracle deck and all are all these like things that I started using to re-empower and rework my mindset on myself. And then once I did that, that's when I created rituals. And that's when I got into magic. And that's when I got into like being really explorative and um, loud about my pleasure because I was like, this has changed my life. Like, I didn't even know. Like, you know what I mean? Like, oh my God, why have we been so quiet about this? I'm so glad you said that because reflecting back on my own spiritual journey, specifically over the past five-ish years, four and a half, five years, um, 
my own self-exploration with sexuality, I really believe was what like flew the door wide open to spirituality for me. And I think there's such a sacred connection between pleasure and sex, whatever that looks like, and spirituality. And, you know, really that's where I want this conversation to lead us. Um, so I'll just share again, like this feels very vulnerable for me to share, but I think that's important to have this conversation. And it, it's funny because I've had this conversation with other women and I think it kind of like scares them a little bit, but I had never used a vibrator. Um, and I was with a partner and sex was not pleasurable for me. It was like really unenjoyable to the point where I, it was like, my body was like shutting down and it was not anything he was doing. He was wonderful, very respectful, but I, it got to a point where I was like, I just don't want to have sex. Like you can go do it with someone else. Like I'm just not into it. And one of my good friends at the time was like, well, why don't you just like, do you have a vibrator? And I was like, well, I have one, but I've never used it. It just feels weird. Like I just don't want to do it. You know, I don't even know how, like, it just feels really uncomfortable. And she literally was dropping me off at my house and was like, go use it right now. Like you need, you need to have this experience in your life. And I was like, really? She's like, just trust me. Okay. Like no one's home. Just go do it. And I was like, okay. And I swear to God, my life changed. Like I was like, oh, this is what an orgasm is supposed to feel like. This is what pleasure is supposed to feel like. And then I became obsessed. I mean, Scorpio Moon, of course, I was like, we're doing this all the time. Like, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> um, but I've actually told other women since then, I'm like, do you have a vibrator? <laughs> like, here's the one I use. Like, you need to try this if you're having any sort of, like, blockages about your own empowerment or sexuality. Because it just... I mean, my awareness about my ability to please myself, my body's abilities to feel good, like it just was extremely transformative. And I think I also was like manifesting without realizing it once I started developing a practice because the things I would think about while I was, you know, masturbating mm -hmm. would like come to fruition in reality. So, you know, I, I share that because for me, it felt so dirty for so long. And I know like, as I've told other people about this, they're like, Ugh, I don't know if like, it feels a little bit weird for somebody else to tell me to like, try this, you know, of course, do whatever feels good for you. But well, you how learned? Just, yeah. You yeah. learned that sex, sex intercourse would fulfill you. They, you know, that you just assumed that you didn't know there was anything else to explore. So I love that somebody at all gave you some motivation to navigate, to go down that road. Because then again, so many options, y'all, so many things. Like if you don't like something, there is something for you. Keep just looking, go to the stores, look online, textile. There's so many options. Um, and I guarantee you some people watching this have one never, ever masturbated. Maybe even never even looked at their yoni ever in the mirror, taking a picture nothing um or, or just get married at a young age and then have just like really uninteresting sex and they and then they end up getting divorced and i've met people like this and they didn't they didn't even know anything until way later so we're not alone you just have to um have awareness and then step into interest and then kind of explore in that way right like i i literally always thought something was wrong with me like from adolescence into that point in my life, I was just like, yeah, I just, something is wrong with me. And like, that's just not for me. You know, like I'm just never going to really enjoy 
sex on the level that other people enjoy sex and then exploring my own sexuality, having this period where I was single and just kind of figuring out what felt good for me. Then when I did, you know, uh, meet another partner and get into another relationship, it just completely changed everything I felt about sex. And it also, knowing what felt good for me by myself helps me validate like, oh, you are a good fit for me because I can feel that with you too. I can get to that mm -hmm. level with you where I didn't even know that that was a level before, you know? Right. Sexual liberation is what we're talking about here. Like having a partner that honors what you need. You don't know what you need until you explore your own self and your own boundaries. You need to have the freedom to explore. Uh, that's that takes. I don't know. It just take you have to let go of all your fear that's associated with this unknown to step into that space, because as soon as you do, you have wider confidence, like extreme confidence. And the serotonin or the, what is it that all the um, oxytocin that like releases oh, yeah. from your sexual experiences will only benefit you in your life. So there's just so many things to explore. There is um, somebody in the community and now my brain's not working, but oh gosh, hold on. It will come back to me. She creates these floral joints that are like all about creation. And she's like, oh, these will be yeah. good when um, if you're interested in um, getting into like stepping into your creation for your workflow. Dude, I had like two hits of this like floral joint and I could masturbate and, and come like 18 times. Like I couldn't like I couldn't do anything else other than that. And it's like there are so many tools in our sphere sphere that we can explore to figure out what that looks like for us. I think that's the other thing about sex education coming through the masculine frame or even lack thereof, just kind of the, I mean, even when you look at mainstream media, like who's talking about sex on TV, it's a lot of times it's like men objectifying women, right? Like that's kind of just All day. how we do it. And like even understanding like, oh my God, I can't have an orgasm literally 10 times in a row. Like I didn't even know that that was possible. And men don't normally have that experience, right? And so like right. learning about sex from a man, it's like there's just kind of this buildup and, you know, orgasm yeah. and then it's mm -hmm. over. And like having women frame that conversation, is just such a different conversation about the possibilities about having your own needs met, even if your partner has already had their needs met and how to have those conversations and what's acceptable. And You know what I mean? I think so much yeah. of our sexual education is about pleasing a partner and in a lot of ways, a male partner with how many of us are raised. I watched a TikTok one time about some dude that had a microphone. He walked around and he asked a bunch of men, um, when was the last time they had an orgasm and then it was like when's the last time your partner had an orgasm and they were like they couldn't even know they were like i don't know and it's like what the hell like why are you even engaging if you're what are you getting out of it that's so unfair or even the conversations where most men don't know how to pleasure a woman at all they only know how to have intercourse and so being able to educate the the masculine space for the men to understand that pleasure is so much grander and bigger than just this one way of, you know, accessing pleasure is interesting to me. It's a, it's a huge conversation, way bigger than what we're ta talking about today, but so grateful to be with partners and have experience with partners that are intentional, um, that are interested and actually care about their partner instead of just the one trying to get off, which is 
you know. Right. It's not even that exciting. It's like, (laughs) I mean, so much of it is about a partner's ability to be vulnerable and ask questions and hold space for you. And that's just not something in general, not even just with sex, that a lot of young men are taught. Um, So I'm I'm hopeful that as more people kind of wake up and we evolve as a society, young boys are taught like – as much as young girls, really young people in general, just being taught to be able to be vulnerable and have hard conversations or not even hard conversations, but just hold space for people and see people for, you know, all that they are. Um, but I love, I love where this conversation is going when it comes to self-pleasure because you said the word authenticity. And I think the first thing that I thought about you when I came across you on Instagram is like, wow, this girl is not afraid to just be herself, you know? And it was so refreshing and so powerful, like so magnetic. And I think other people would agree with me who follow you on Instagram. Um, Do you think that's partially a byproduct, like this power that you found in yourself, this authenticity from discovering your own pleasure and what literally like lights you up? So it is a byproduct of my trauma and my shitty life experiences. So um, unfortunately, I have either put myself in situations or I've been given a very interesting perspective. And so all of this authenticity is me saying I'm so sick of trying to feel or feeling misunderstood. I'm so I'm fed up with this type of experiences that I'm having, these friendships that I'm having, et cetera. And it was just me being like, Okay, I have nothing to lose other than just saying what I feel and trying to understand what my healing looks like through all of that while still being respectful by having um, perspective and discernment and all of that. But pleasure is definitely um, a key attribute to what that is. My confidence, my creative energy, my ability to bring into fruition literally anything my mind thinks about. What the hell? Like the law of attraction, like what? Why did it take me so long again to figure out what this is? I had no idea. Literally no idea. Yeah, because when we're talking about orgasm, I mean, it's like very much activating our creative center, right? I've had conversations though with women specifically about like, the feeling of an orgasm literally moving through every chakra in your body. I don't know if you can relate to that, but like I know personally and from talking to other women, it's like reaching this state of like feeling like a totally open channel, like you can ground anything and release anything. So that for me was like kind of awoke me spiritually. But you're talking about the law of attraction. You're talking about spirituality, like opening up this creative center within you. How does pleasure and sex relate to manifestation. Okay. So your creation center in your body is your sacral section, which is right below your tummy, right? So where the womb is in a woman. And this place um, really is, it's embodiment of the element of water. So there's a lot of fluidity. There's a lot of movement energy in this space. Um, So we're not, our womb creates human life. And that is like the most powerful experience, the most powerful energetic thing ever. As we've talked about, or you guys have talked about in other episodes, everything has energy. So our sexual energy is the most powerful energy that we can harness and that we can utilize. Um, So let's see. I took a few notes. Can you uh, re-say your question? Because I lost my train of thought and I want to make sure that I say what is the connection 
between pleasure practices and manifestation. I know like as you've developed your practice, you literally have like rituals that you do, but just on an energetic level, like why do you think it is that we can manifest things and align with the law of attraction more easily when we're in that open pleasure orgasmic static state? Yeah. Right. So, you know, um, a lot of people can probably refer to this. So when you're in engagement with a partner, solo or otherwise, um, a lot of people will say, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, I'm there. Oh, my God. Right. That's a that comes out. That's every everybody is saying that it's very universal. So that I always say, like, the God is in us. We are the God. We have that power. And so I'm saying when we get to this heightened state of orgasmicness, we're getting to a higher level of consciousness of the magic. We are the God. We are the creator in that space. And so in my own personal practice or how I have found power in this is saying, thinking about things that I desire about, I desire to have in my life the relationships that I crave, the partner, the type of partner I want to have, the job I'm going towards, the money that I want to have at my bank account, the experiences. And so I would start thinking about this. And it started, this is such a funny conversation. It started with um, one a business partner of mine that I had like this big, big crush on. And so at the very, very, very beginning of our interaction, our meeting, um, by the way, we met on a dating website. We've never dated. We've never even kissed. Okay. So he was like, not really less. We just have really great connection, connectivity in that way. I had a big, big crush on him. So at the very beginning, I was like, how the fuck am I going to get this person, you know, obsessed with me? Right. That's like, how am I going to do this? And so during my pleasure um, practice, I would think about like, not interacting sexually with this person, but I would think about like life and doing things with this person. And then a year later, I started a business. I started a podcast. I start, we're like really, really, really great friends. I don't think I've ever told him this literally ever. So maybe he'll never find out if he never listens to this. It's kind of silly, but that's how I brought into fruition something that was really powerful in my life. So you can do, maybe you're um, working with, you have confidence issues and or self-body issues, and you just have to repeat positive language while you're in your sexual experience. So it's, I love myself. I love myself. Oh my God, my, my skin is so soft and so beautiful. I love myself. I love myself. And then if you just repeat that the entire time of your whole experience, by the time you meet your orgasmic space, you're like, yes, oh my God, I love myself. You're so, I'm so beautiful. I'm so soft. And then you'll find out that the next time you're with a partnered sexual experience and they say, oh my gosh, your skin is so soft, you'll be like lit up. And you're like, yes, I know that. I've created that reality for me. Hopefully that answers your question. I don't know. It's it's just totally. a very fun scientific experience. Well, and I think it's all about like trial and error for yourself too. Like mm -hmm. everybody different sexually and like likes different things and so it's like it's getting to know yourself through your own personal practice like we talked about i love that you mentioned the whole like oh my god thing because i think the one other thing that people automatically say when they're having orgasm is yes right and how much of the law of attraction is saying yes is yes. thinking positive it's either mm -hmm. yes or oh my god you know and yes. both very much attractive energies and then you know just on a scientific level it's like when your body is in orgasm and releasing all of these chemicals your brain is lighting up and the things you're telling yourself and the things you're thinking about like your brain is going to remember that sensation anytime you think about those things 
So I love that you talked about the business partner because my current, you know, romantic partner, I had like a massive crush on him. We'll do a whole other episode when he's ready about our experience. <laughs> but um, I used to do that too. And I would like, I would just picture us together because I wanted it to happen so badly. And I'm like, well, I guess I manifested that. <laughs> I'm, it's almost, I don't want to say it's embarrassing because it's not, but to be able to actually say that out loud and the other people know that I did, I brought you here. This was a product of me and my action. It, it almost makes them feel like, oh my God, like you're a witch. I'm a fucking witch. I could do anything I want. Okay. The other night we were at, um, side thought, uh, we were at bowling and my partner plays, uh, he's a bowler. And we were at a tournament and he was like, not doing, very, not doing very well. Okay. So I walked in like mid game. I sat down and every single, I closed my eyes and every time it was his turn, I embodied like this gold light to his strike. Right. And I saw it, I saw him action and I did it. I meditated for like that 30 seconds before his time. And he got strike, 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 strike five times in a row. I stopped just to see if it was me, you know, whatever he didn't make it. And then I did it again, strike, strike, strike. And I was like, Okay, like there is something to this, this embodiment, this visualization in our mind. It's just an act, the action of visualization. But we can't get into sex magic and talk about pleasure and bringing in what you want without understanding intention, like you understanding energetic intention. So energy doesn't have a negative or a positive. Energy is just it. It It is golden light. It is white. It is pure, right? The negative negativity comes in with um, intention. So negative intention. That's where people are like, people are taking my energy. It's not the energy. It's the people, right? It's their intention doing that. And so getting into your pleasure, manifestation, anything that you do, you have to have good intention. So today I'm going to have a good day. Today I am going to feel good. Um, I'm going to go into, I'm going to go sit in my room and I'm going to meditate and I'm going to feel good with myself. And at the end of the day, I'm going to navigate in a way that feels more like free flowing and I'm going to have gratitude. If you don't have that initial positive intention, then nothing's going to go into fruition, at least the way that you desire it to. Because you have to give energy the right push. Like it's it's everywhere. So you have to na- give it its navigation, which is interesting because once you recognize you have this power, you recognize that everything that you were conditioned to believe to give your power outward, to pray and ask for something, to, to receive or just wait to see if something's going to happen for you, you're t- giving, you're giving away all your power. So all the power is within you and you have that just with practice and stepping into that practice with freedom to explore. I think the flip side of intention and when we talk about like this power we have in us and the energetics of pleasure and sex, how much or how important I should say do you think protection is as well? Because when we invite a partner in, in a lot of ways we are inviting them into this like sacred energy to, I mean, literally energetically connect with us, especially if we're talking about sex or intercourse. Um, So what are your thoughts on protection now knowing what you know and having all the wisdom you have? So I don't know the data or where I've learned this, but there's something in the spiritual realm where they say that interact like sexual intercourse with a partner their energy will like harbor in your body for seven years or something like five to seven years or something 
And that sounds terrible. Like when you think about it, you're like, ugh, like I don't want their, and like I just broke up with them. I don't want their space or whatever. But again, it's you creating sovereignty within your being. So protection as in um, protecting your home, protecting um, yourself with your boundaries, making sure that you're releasing these people. I do a lot of uh, ritual magic around like, we do cord cutting all the time where you do two different candles and a cord and it breaks and you're releasing. But protection comes a lot with the psyche, not only with the physical energetic body. So knowing how to create um, exit strategy is not the right word, but like finding closure in your experiences are super helpful. And um, I would say protection is such a big thing. Like there's so many avenues. So you can use tools like spiritual tools, like crystals or cleansing um, fire smoke tools or candles or colors or, you know, there's like a variety of ways. Does that answer your question? Yeah. And I think part of it is also being cognizant of the partner's intention, especially, you know, I would never judge anybody for having casual sex or, or whatever, like whatever floats your boat, if it's safe, if it's empowering to you, Go for it a thousand percent. But I think often, um, kind of like we talked about earlier, women are conditioned to give. You know, like we're we're giving this thing in exchange for love and affection, or because it's what we think is expected of us, and we don't really think about the partner's intention, especially. For me, at least in my younger years, it was very much about pleasing this person and making them like me. And now, as I've kind of come into my own and my own spiritual practices and my own self-worth, honestly, it has so much to do with self, self-worth, it's like, okay, what is this person's intention? Do I want to let them into this like energy, this sacred energy I've created for myself? And I think that is just a, a protection tool in itself, just that mindfulness. Absolutely. That's a huge one. And yeah, a lot of people don't have the right intention as you. And if you have a partner that goes, we're going, there's communication. You're talking about this stuff before you have sex. Also, okay, hold on here. Let's back it up. When was the last time as a woman that you bought a condom? Okay, crickets. Crickets. Okay, we have the power. Okay, we're starting the conversation. If we're going to give and partake, then we need to have the we're taking responsibility. That's part of our own power. So going into the conversation um, or going into the experience, knowing what to expect. And so these are conversations. Hey, this is the protection method that I prefer. What do you do? These are the, um, my, this is my sexual health. Like, is there anything you want to talk about with this? And talking about the type of sex that you prefer before you just go in willy nilly trying to figure it out. Um, As you mature, I think as we get older, we'll recognize that like, random sex is not as fulfilling. So we're less likely to fall into that category. And then we're more interested in having intimate partners that are um, energetic matches and and emotionally mature and have the experience to be able to pleasure each other in a like giving safe way. Right. I mean, obviously so much about if, if your sexual practices with another person is the other person's energy and their intention. And that's, you know, an individual thing everybody has to figure out on their own. Um, I'm curious though, like I know you have actual rituals and practices you do. So what do some of those look like and how do you use them in your current life, whether it's on your own or with a partner? Like, do you ever manifest with your partner during sex? Yeah, I talk about this all the time with my partner, but we forget, right? Because you're so caught up. If you have a very like 
very a lot of good chemistry with my partner. So I'm often forgetting the point or the intention of what we're doing, right? Which isn't a bad um, thing. Not a bad thing. But not totally not a bad thing at all. But there are um there are times where we I set a lot of goal setting. And so I use this thing called the life book by my friend Box of Knots. It's incredible. And my partner and I write down things that we desire to have or go or do or practice or learn. And so rooting back to that list is where we can step into like, oh, we're excited. We want to like potentially buy a house in the next few years or like things like that. Right. So we're creating our vision for our life. And so creating those um, intentions at the get go allow us to step into that in our personal practice. When it comes to ritual, for me personally, I have a handful of tools that I have sitting over here um, to explore um, to give you guys opportunity to know that pleasure doesn't always have to be like very stimulant. It can be emotional. Um, and for me personally, it's so emotional. So I have to find comfortability in my psyche before I can ever get to anything um, tingly and exciting in that way. And so me, my ritual includes um, like music, super important, super vibrationally um, important for me to find that. Um, it can include, I love sunshine. Vitamin D seems so orgasmic to me. Like I would love to lay outside consistently all the time, every day, naked in the sun. Like that is pleasure for me. And I think about being in that space and meditating in that way. Like that is pleasure. And that is me creating my life that I want to live in that way. Um, but also when it comes to like orgasmic pleasure, it doesn't have to be every day. And we can find ebbs and flows in our in our experience and our hormonal shifts and things like that. But it's like when you are ready to sit down is to be really patient with yourself and really just be really slow and intentional. There's this practice I utilize. It's called Five Things I Love About Myself. And I started it a long time ago. And it was me just trying to express to a partner. We did it as an exchange. And then I started doing it for myself. And it was super powerful. So recognizing things I love about myself as part of my pleasure manifestation practices, because I have to remind myself that like the world is so big and it's so busy and I need to come back into my own sovereign self. Um, so hopefully that answers your question. So a lot of language talking. I love candles. I love flowers. I love um, dating myself as a really, I guess, um, intentional pleasure practice for myself in that way too. Yeah. Right. It's like pleasure goes beyond just the experience of having an orgasm, right? Which is an amazing experience. And I think everybody in this lifetime should experience it. <laughs> like, I think it's so magical. And you know, if you have not had that experience yet, I invite you to just explore yourself. It doesn't have to be with someone else. Um, but like, honestly, also just this came up for me, like the first time I had like a mind blowing orgasm, I was like, uh, like, not only like this is what pleasure feels like, but it just like tapped me into another energetic realm. You know, I was like, oh my God, there's so much more to life than just like this, activated like you. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And it wasn't just the first time. It was like that continual exploration that it opened up where I was like aware of my own thoughts while, you know, what am I telling myself? How does this feel? You know, what else do I like? Just getting to know myself, you know, and that can come through a masturbation practice, a pleasure practice, or like you said, through dating yourself, going and taking yourself out to eat. What do I want for dinner tonight? You know, what, what seems fun to me to do by myself? I think especially as women, 
we tend to like neglect ourselves and think we can only do these fun things or have pleasure if a partner is attached to it. And self-pleasure can be one of the most liberating things for humans in general. But I think for men, it's just, you know, like anatomically, like they just kind of figure out at some point, like, oh, if I just do this, this happens and it feels good. And that's the end of it. Yeah. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. like very cut and dry for most men, I think. Um, I don't want to speak for all men, but just from the conversation with men, you know? Um, So so much of this goes into like female empowerment too, you know? Absolutely. I think there's room right here at this conversation, like at this pivotal point to say, hey, how do we access this potent energy, right? This creative energy that everybody has if you're lacking that. So if you're feeling like disinterested in your sexual experience, there's so many different styles. Like some people are asexual. They're not attracted to people. You know, there's so many different things to explore. But if you're at a point where you're like, I'm missing, I feel like I'd like to step into that space. How How do I explore what this looks like? So I'd start with healing your sacral space. So that comes to acknowledgement and blocks. Like what's blocking you? Like, did somebody invade your space? Do you need to heal? Do you need um, to create more movement in your body? So doing hip rolls and moving your hips and moving that kind of dance space creates energy movement in that area. You can eat sacral centering food. So anything that's like orange. (laughs) So uh, carrots, mangoes, oranges, things, peaches, apricots, things like that will activate that um, energy in your body. Um, connecting with water. So as your sacral energy is ruled by water, so swimming, um, going to waterfalls, like, I don't know, taking a bath. Like for me, yeah, yeah, bath work or bath ritual work is like my, my base. Like I love being in there. And so, um, it allows your body to relax and flow right in that space. Um, practice sacral, uh, chance. So affirmation work, work that's working in your womb state in working within your womb space. So you can look on Pinterest or Google if you need work with affirmation or support with affirmations, but there's any topic, it exists. Um, and then um, you can bring in healing tools. So that's where your crystals come in, your sacred geometry, your um, sound healing instruments, your anything that interests you in that space. So I do want to say when you're stepping into ritual work, it's important to know that anything that you bring into your sacral, sac- sacred magical space, once you be- it becomes magical, it it's magical. So you can't take it out and then use it in normal day life. Okay. So if you like somehow went downstairs and got a spatula and you started doing impact play with your partner with that spatula, that spatula now lives in that drawer with your sex stuff. Like you can't take it and go put it back in the kitchen. Okay. So make sure that you recognize that whatever you're putting energy into, it is now sacred. And then having that respect and that honor with yourself in that way and with the tangible tool or whatever, um, will be impactful for you. And I think, you know, like a lot of this for me, even it's like, okay, I think it's all just starting with pleasuring yourself and then allowing yourself to open a little bit more every time to what, like literally what would feel good, what would feel exciting. And I love how you brought up people who are asexual um, because I literally went through a point in my life where I was like, I think I just am not, not like I found people physically attractive, but I was like, I just don't really want to do that with anybody, you know? But I think anyone who feels like there's something more to life or I want to know what it feels like to be fully alive 
can get something out of a self-pleasure practice. Even if that's like, I love, this is so silly, but I love when my partner does this. And sometimes I do it to myself. I literally just like really lightly oh, go like, it's so like good. my favorite thing ever, you know? <laughs> You don't have to have a partner to do that. Like like you said, touching yourself, loving yourself, like that can be a form of masturbation in some way, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, even the word masturbation, like I remember when I first heard it and I my friends asked me when I was like 12, like, do you masturbate? And I didn't know what it meant. And I was like, no. <laughs> I, was like, I think I should say no right now because I don't know what it means. And I remember asking my mom and it felt very taboo and she didn't want to tell me. And, you know, so yeah, Angela says touch therapy. It's like it made it feel. And then when I learned what it was, I was like, oh, touching myself is dirty, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's so sad. And having to rework this relationship with that is also interesting because no one's like telling you how to heal that space unless you're already in the modalities. You're just like, I no longer want to feel that way, etc. Um, Angela also said, which I think is a really great point, is um, to drink the water that we're, dr- that we're drinking can deepen our connection with ourselves and otherwise. So there's a lot of magic within water, the, min- uh, the structure of water, etc. I and love that very she brought that up. healing too, you know, like, yeah, I think pleasure practices can be some of the most powerful healing practices. And again, it's all about giving yourself that space to be safe, to experience pleasure, whether it's by yourself or with someone you feel totally safe with. She also said, I love Angela giving all the good wisdom here, (laughs) meridian stimulation, kind of going into like tapping and the different points of your body. Like, you know, if you're someone who is like, okay, I don't feel totally comfortable just like going all in with a toy or something like that, your pleasure practice can literally just start with this, with, you know, looking in the mirror, eye gazing with yourself. Ooh, that's a big one. That's a huge one. Um, if you have a hard time speaking kind words into to your own embodiment, Looking at yourself in the mirror and speaking words to yourself is huge. Also comes straight down to your gratitude practice, your mindset shifts, and really recognizing the language you're speaking to others and and yourself. Your personal practice, your pleasure practice comes down to how you're eating. Like, are you eating to get done and move? Or are you like actually having honor and so much gratitude in the beauty of how this nourishment is going to fuel your body? You know, it's like taking the steps to slow it down and bring yourself into consciousness, present consciousness. And as much as we're talking about like, you know, self-pleasure and the experience of pleasure, part of me is like, you know, when I am experiencing pleasure with a partner and like at that, you know, orgasmic state, it's like about me, honestly. And maybe that's, maybe you don't resonate, but I'm like, like, I know that he's having a good time, you know, I know that like we're both enjoying ourselves <laughs> and it, it is very connective and it does feel like this beautiful connection, but I am thinking about me and my pleasure and like my ability to open to the experience. So as much as we're taught and, and we think that like sex is this experience between two people and it's so special and it's so connective, which it is, I feel like it's more about my ability to be a hundred percent vulnerable and be in that state with someone else that makes it so connective. Amen. Absolutely. Because again, if you didn't know what you need or how you want things or like what will feed yourself and anything, then how is your partner going to do that for you or even hold space for you to do that for yourself? 
it's it's one and then the other like it's it's very it's very interconnected but for you i love that you said i'm actually just thinking about myself because majority of the time the man's just thinking about himself okay so like really recognizing like there's space for when you need to be focusing on your partner and space when the focus on you and that's okay that's totally the way it should go Right. I, I, yeah, I think I, a part of me was like, should I say that? It seems really selfish that I'm like, oh, Morgan is really like, he's watching right now. He's like, cool. <laughs> but <laughs> you don't care um, about me. <laughs> yeah, but it's not that at all because I think honestly, by me being in that space of total comfort and vulnerability, it's energy, right? It allows him to do the same. I mean, honestly, when we first, had sex with each other, um, we both were like, oh, that's what it feels like to be totally comfortable. Neither that's of us what it's had supposed ever, to be like. Yes, a hundred percent. Neither of us had ever had that experience. And it was like earth shattering. Not because it was so pleasurable, so beautiful. Was, but because we both were like, this is what it feels like to be totally safe and extremely attracted and just like totally comfortable in our own bodies for the first time ever. Um, and so, you know, I think and that's the way it's that, supposed to be. Ah, but I could have never done that if I hadn't formed a self-pleasure practice first and understood what it felt like just to be in my own body and experience that level of pleasure. Like I would have never been able to open up to that point, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. There's um, a lot of people don't also know at all how to navigate their their body in that way. So I would encourage you guys to get your phone out and take a picture and look at your genitalia. Look at it, admire it, explore it. I watched a YouTube one time of this experiment. It was mind-blowing where partners came in and the, they they photographed the female's partner or female's genitalia. Gen Why can't I say that? I don't say that word a lot. Yoni. Took a picture yeah, of their Yoni. Word. Right? <laughs> And then they showed that picture to the woman and the woman was like, they're like, how do you feel about this? And they're like, nah, like I, don't, I don't know. They were like off put. But then separately, they filmed showing the picture to their male counterpart. And they were like, oh, it's so beautiful. It's so gorgeous. It's so soft. It's so whatever. It's like it was so enlightening to see the experience. It was so mind blowing that I was like, I guarantee you most women that have a yoni probably haven't looked at it and probably don't have that much, I guess, gratitude and beauty for it either. And so somehow trying to integrate this into your life will allow you to connect to your pleasure a little bit more. Um, so take a picture. And then if you feel scared, delete it. If I, I love taking pictures of myself and then putting it on my iPad and drawing it. So then I have a sketch and I, it doesn't feel as aggressive in that way. So it, it allowed me to step into understanding what my body looked like and having fun with that fluidity in that way. And I think that goes for men and women, honestly, like how many of us feel shame about what our genitalia looks like versus how it should look, look right? Like that's, look whole, right, that's like a whole other topic that we could dive into for <laughs> an equal hour and a half. But you know, I think that's part of it. We so much tie our pleasure to like our worthiness and like we see that and we think like, oh, that's not how it's supposed to look. So we're not like worthy of pleasure or something like that. And it's like, if you haven't um, heard of the Volvo Witch, she's an amazing follow on Instagram. She does, she's doing a whole project where she's working on a book of photographing people's vulvas and 
um, their stories about them to show a how different we all are, like so drastically different. And you know, once I saw that project, I'm like, I want someone somewhere to do that for men. I know it's not the same experience they have, but I really do feel like a lot of men have complexes about their genitalia. Oh, absolutely. That would be, I mean, if men were open to receiving it, it would be so powerful. Because men don't know. They only know based on porn or magazines or whatever. And it's like so obnoxious that it's like not real. And so they have to, again, also decondition their experience and what their expectations are in that way. That's I love that project. There's many beautiful projects like that. And it's it's incredible. I participated in a project called um, the Fourth Trimester Project, and it was about women's bodies after they have kids. And same same complex, same thing that you're like able to look and read their story and honor their body in that way because things change and people get conscious, subconscious about it. Uh, the shame around change. I don't know all of that. So definitely integrate, find it. I encourage everybody to be interested in stepping into that experience if you have it, the opportunity and to it, do so. It totally plays into self-pleasure because, you know, when you realize the sensations your body can create, it makes it so much easier to love. Like what it looks like doesn't even fucking matter. You know, it's like, it wow, like my, right? My body can do this oh. magnificent thing. Mm, right. Um, men they're not thinking about another woman when they're with you. Like they are embodied and captured. They're in love with this experience. They're, they're here present. So our brain, our, our brain is like thinking about other things and men is just like straight into it. Like, this is it. This is it. This is it. And once you kind of think about that, you are less concerned about other people. Like get, stay in your own lane, focus on your own experience and building your own self-confidence and experience within ritual and practice and sex, et cetera, whatever, all of the yes, things. Yes. Yes. Anything else you want to touch on before we wrap this up? I just want to remind everybody that the basic law of attraction, like manifest, we talked a lot about manifestation, but didn't talk about what it is. Okay. So the, the formula is your desire to crave something tangible or otherwise. Um, and then it's your intention setting. So you have a desire, then you create an intention around it. And then you say, okay, I have an emotion. I have to embody this emotion of how this um, desiring this thing will make me feel. And then you'll manifest it. Then it's the action. Okay. So again, the formula is desire, intention, emotion, action, which leads to your manifestation. And that is it friends. And that's why, like, we kind of touched on this, but the emotion component, like, if you are in an incredibly heightened state, you are in a very high vibration, you're bringing in all this ecstatic emotion, and when you're thinking about the thing you desire, you're literally, like, aligning that emotion with the thing you desire and attracting that to you, that energy to you, right? I feel like that yeah, makes sense. Absolutely. Yep, totally. Aw, Kat says, Aww. you have shown me how to connect deeper within myself, and that's what I love most about the pleasure practice. Hmm. Mm. Love you. Love you. Yeah, I have such a, cu a curious and chaotic mind, so I hope that the way that I experience and share this with y'all encourages you, and if you have any questions, literally around any time if you want to talk deeper about it. Yes. Well, this is a perfect time to bring up your Instagram, your website. I like to end these with a little card pull. Um, so while I get the cards out, I'm going to pull from the Rose Oracle deck. It felt very sensual to pull from this one. 
But while I get the cards out, let people know your offerings, how they can connect with you. I'll pull up your Instagram handle too. Um, awesome. What you have going on right now. All right, friends. So my Instagram and any all social media is Tuesday says. So I focus on personal power in any capacity whatsoever. I host a local biweekly, um, I would say, women's meetup circle. You can come in. It's free or donation-based. And we focus on creating safe space for expression. Um, it's my most beautiful thing ever. Like I love it so much. When it comes to personal work. I do a lot of oracle work. I help people with EFT tapping and intuitive guidance, things like that. Um, just a very diverse human being. And so stepping into my space um, would love to meet you and just explore what that looks like for you. Um, but even if you're not interested at all in any of the spirituality stuff, there's also a ritual tool. So I sell and create um, tools that you can use for your bath, your rituals at home, your spell work, things like that. Creating a very gentle way for people to step into spell work, um, a modern way without it feeling um, overwhelming and having really clear and concise instructions on how to integrate that into your life. Yeah. And like you create these beautiful candles and bath salts and that could be a great step if you're like at this point in the conversation and you're like, okay, that's great that you guys have gotten to this place where you have this pleasure practice, but like, how do I even start, you know, a message me and I will send you the vibrator I use because I am a, a fan. Okay. And I'm sure Tuesday would do the same. Um, but also it could be as simple as getting a nice bath soak, treating yourself to something that just feels luxurious and pleasurable to you. It doesn't have to be sexual. Absolutely. Absolutely does not need to be sexual whatsoever. Okay. Let's go ahead and pull the card and see what needs to come through. Okay. What do we need to know to end this conversation about pleasure? Mm, okay, love this. We pulled the morning dew card. <laughs> and it says clarity, a fresh start, a positive outlook. Already, there's something sensual about mm. morning dew, you know? Yeah, I love that. Okay, here's it's what soft it and it glows. Yeah. Yeah. And water. We've been talking a lot about the water element. Okay, here's what it says. There's a special moment when the day is new and the sun's still young, when we too are given the opportunity to begin again. The presence of the morning dew welcomes us with the grace of a fresh start. And as the moisture gathers on the rose, it invites us to see things clearly, sometimes in a whole new way than we did the previous day. A new perspective is suddenly here. Healers from all corners of the earth believe in the incredible healing quality of the morning dew. They believe that it possesses the same healing properties as the plants themselves, with the dew capturing their essence and clear potency. Practices such as walking barefoot on the morning dew, drinking from the petals of flowers, and placing dew on the body are thought to bring about powerful shifts in healing. If we're lucky enough to meet the morning in this way, we too may be blessed by the special healing liquid that carries the secret essence of both the earth and the entire universe within it, the morning dew. This card brings the message that clarity is on its way. A new start and a change of perspective are possible. Shifts are coming. The future is looking renewed, hopeful, positive, and bright. Keep focusing on your ideal outcome and trust in the presence of the potent morning dew. Okay. Could that not have been any more perfect? I know. Uh, I'm like, there's like a double good. meaning here. <laughs> right. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Thank you. Right. I love that this that talks was so about wonderful. 
fresh perspectives. I really think like self-love can give you like a literally a whole new lease on life and fresh perspective. But, you know, it's talking about the literal morning dew and the spiritual essence, but also, you know, like you have that morning dew within you, if you know what I mean. And that has incredible energy and healing power too. So I love that we pulled this card. Love that you guys. I hope you guys literally, not you guys, I hope everybody feels inspired and activated today to just live your life the most authentic, powerful way possible for yourself and nobody else. And give yourself a little love today. Like you deserve to feel good. You deserve to feel pleasure. And if you take anything away from this conversation, it should be that. Like you are a human, a spirit having a human experience. And part of the human experience is pleasure. It's what connects us to the divine, to energy. And so I just invite you to do something that feels pleasurable today, even if it's not having sex or sexual in nature at all. Yeah. Get that burrito. Love y'all. Get that burrito. Yes. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate you showing up in your beautiful, vulnerable essence that you always carry into these situations. And I'm just so grateful that I came across you and to have you in my life, truly. Ah, Thank you. It's been an an honor to experience your uprising and your blooming, truly. It's so vibrant and lovely. So I love you back. Mm, Love you and love to all of you who joined us today. Thank you for those of you who shared your own wisdom, your own experience. Also, one more thing I wanted to say because Angela reminded us that she's life book, right? Yes, Lifebook. There's a code. Yeah, if you um, are interested in Lifebook, it's called, uh, or the code is Safe Circle. I think it's 15% off your purchase or 10 or 15%. Um, really cool ritual tools, like self healing um, offerings for her Amazing. brand. Just wanted to give her a shout out too, because I appreciate you being here and engaging in our conversation. So thank you to everybody for being vulnerable, for creating a safe space for us to have this conversation too. Um, We really appreciate you. We will be back next week with a new episode of The Spiritual Journalist. Love to you all. I hope you have an amazing, pleasure-filled day ahead. And until I see you next, stay curious. Thank you so much for joining our discussion today. If you enjoyed this episode of The Spiritual Journalist, you can find more on thespiritualjournalist.com or you can listen to our conversations wherever you enjoy podcasts. And if you want to learn more about astrology, join me live every weekday morning on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter for Transits Today, where we break down the energy of the day based on the movement of the planets and start our morning off in a high vibe. All of the information we share on The Spiritual Journalist is completely free to you. So if you'd like to support more content like this, the easiest way to do so is to subscribe to our YouTube page. Head over to The Spiritual Shop on our website and buy yourself a little something. Or if you're feeling extra generous, you can buy me a coffee to fuel future live streams. Just tap the link in the description or head to buymeacoffee.com and search The Spiritual Journalist. I'm so grateful you found us here and I can't wait for our next conversation.